0: I was thinking about mothers this morning, and a number of, number of years ago, I was uh, I, like I preached a sermon series, and at some point I, I may want to write a book on this, but the sermon series we called was um, the, the monk, the missionary and the Mother." And these are different people that, different specific people that either I knew or learned from in a book or or something. Two of them I knew, one of them I read about. Um, And what was interesting to me was how all of these different figures, how their life of quiet devotion um, spoke very loudly to me about what it looks like to exemplify an element of God's presence. And so it's this concept of, How many of you have ever ever traveled um, to Europe? Anybody? Okay. I uh, traveled to Europe. There are these these really old churches, and some of them are not filled with people. Some of them have. But I remember one time we were were in Rome, and we went into this very small, nondescript church. And I, you know, wasn't like one of the famous places. I came in. And it was an evening, evening service, and I listened to, there were a few of the, I guess the priests there, and some of the nuns, and they were sitting there just worshiping, and I could, I could hear the tears of the sisters as they were praying. And I was just overcome by the presence of God, just like just listening to this devotion that was super specific and unique. And I realized that while their lives were so different from mine, there was a piece of the way that they had devoted themselves that I could that I could draw from as a treasure. And I won't mention mention the story. So, so like like when you think about people like monastics or nuns, they've give their whole life to seeking God in a very quiet way that that's in oftentimes unseen. And. Um, And I won't tell the story of the missionary, but you you know, missionaries oftentimes do work unseen, unnoticed. But it was like in the season I was praying and I was asking God to bring to light people that really um, exemplified His presence. And the the third one that got highlighted to me was my wife and the way that she mothers our children and Sometimes the way she mothers me, um, <laughs> she's not in here to hear this, but I, I, uh, I've, I have shared this Year, years ago. I was, uh, at, I, I listened to a message and somebody said, they said, you know, the person who has impacted you the most is not the person you believe in the most, but it's the person who believes in you the most. And I was like, Well, oh, that's a really interesting statement. And I stopped for a second to say, God, who, who has believed in me the most and fairly quickly I realized it was my wife. And the way that the way that a mother, and they all do it differently, but the way that a mother or a wife in this case cares for the the concerns of what's in the heart of her children exemplifies A focus of God's presence that is unlike anything else in the earth. Like it's really easy to think about devoting yourself to God and to this work, whenever it comes with glory and success and all of those things. That's that that's like no brainer. Like sign me up. No, I'm just. But but a mother, the way that the way that mother cares for a child is is a specific expression of God's love. And so, anyway, I just want to thank mothers this morning. Um how many of you guys doing all right? Go call your call your moms today. It's a it's a good thing. Um so, this is a funny thing. I have uh, uh I I spent this week spent spent week praying and the way that I work out sharing message is that I typically look through my journal notes and I typically am like kind of examining where we're at in a series and spend some time to reflect. And I think for a lot of uh, sermon prep people, they do it differently. But for me, most of my time is spent in a reflection, sort of like having a sense of what God is saying. And I sell that to say, I have no prepared sermon for you this morning. <laughs> not that I didn't try to reflect. And I I kind of had was impacted by a stream of ministry that really romanticized this notion of not preparing. And I'd spend probably, probably, it's been a couple of years since I have not been prepared at all for a for a service, and like that was kind of like viewed as a badge of honor. Like you're gonna stand up and preach extemporaneously, it meant you really trust the spirit. And um, I don't really like doing that. Like um, Tim Tim was telling me the the day he was like, "Man, when you preach your notes, like he's like, you don't go on any rabbit trails. You can preach your notes." I was like I know, like um, and so anyway. I'm, just, I'm sharing with you because I do feel like God wants to say something this morning. But what I'm telling you is I don't feel any great strength or badge of honor or confidence by sitting here with nothing. I only feel weakness and vulnerability. Um, so yeah, I mean, like the question goes through my mind, could you have prepared more? Could you have taken more time? And this is going to be a total bomb of a moment. But I'm sharing you sharing this for a reason. I, um, but what I've, what I've learned about life, and I have actually, only thing I have is one prayer today, and I'll mention it. I have one prayer for you. What I've learned about life in the spirit, this is what we're talking about right now, is that most of the most important, most beautiful, most significant things, maybe all of them, but definitely most of them, that have happened in my life have not happened through things I planned or prepared for. Um, whether it's meeting my wife or meeting Zane, or like even even starting this church or <laughs> start you know like I could I could go on and on and on business whatever. When I when I really reflect on life, I would recognize that. Um, most of most of the things have been like they've kind of just appeared and and the holy spirit has been there working in those things and i think sometimes we can get so focused in on our plans and on whatever we think that we're supposed to do that we we miss the sort of the spontaneous dance that the spirit is in with us all the time, this beautiful dance. I had this uh, guy who was talking to me about house church this week. He's got house church going and was, you know, found us through a friend. And he's like wanting, you know, to like figure things out. And he was, and he's had a lot of different people in his ear about what they're to do. And and, I, and like the only question, the only thought I had, had to him was like, I don't know what to tell you. Do how to figure things out, but I was like, "Don't make a strategic decision; make a spirit decision." And not that God doesn't give us wisdom, but the most the most important thing that we can do in leaning into what God has for us is to lean into the Holy Spirit. And so, I, I'm probably going to read a little bit from Romans eight, um, but my prayer my prayer this morning is that God will remind us and, and instill in us a deeper awareness of the fact that He has given this gift of the Holy Spirit to us Simple prayer that's my prayer i i stop I stopped trying to figure it out when i don't when i'm not prepared by Sunday morning. I wake up at 5 30 in the morning and I try to I try to keep working at it. That's what I did this morning. I woke up at 5 30 and about 8 30 processing through notes and different things I just said I don't have anything. We're gonna and I just started to pray this one prayer. God will you help us become more aware of the gift of your spirit. And it's it's the spirit is not just a gift that God gives us. It's the gift. That Jesus promised. The spirit is the gift. In Acts 1. When, when Jesus ascends into heaven. And the church is, is waiting. He says you're, you're waiting. For the, the promise I have to you. As much as I like forgiveness. And mercy. And all those things that accompany the gospel. The most central. The most central defining promise of the gospel is that God gives us his presence. He gives us the gift of himself. And so centering our life on an awareness of the Spirit that you could encompass the entirety of the Christian life in allowing the Spirit to lead you day by day. So I think I mentioned, and if I told this story, forgive me, but I'm just going to tell it again. I don't think I did. I did in a small group, but a couple of weeks ago, I was in um, Latvia on a business trip and investment that we had made in a in a company there, and I uh, I got this like this really um, incredible kind of opportunity to just walk around the city. It was it was cool, and I spent some time walking with the founder that we invest in his business and he showed me all of the different architecture like when you first come into um, a Baltic city whether it's Estonia or Latvia the first thing you see before you come into the city is you see all these Soviet block architectural like apartments and there's just like no beauty in them whatsoever just pure pragmatic like you know Right angles and nothing else, and but then, like as you get into these cities, because they have they're really old. Some of these buildings are eight hundred years old or two hundred to three hundred years. You actually see the story of the city through its architecture, really fascinating, and you see the different the different times in history. But I was walking alone at one point, and I uh, my phone had died, and. Which I was fine with. I knew I knew I was uh, I knew I could get around the city, so I was just kind of wandering. And I was like, there was a couple churches I had seen, and then there was this church that I I um, hadn't gone into. And I was like, following the steeple, and just kind of like I would like pop through a road, and I would kind of look up and see the steeple. I got to this church, and did that tell this story a couple weeks ago? Okay, all right, good. Um, <laughs> I got to, got to the church. I look at the church. And I say to myself, um, this church is going to be closed. I'm going to walk around this sideway. And there's going to be a pastor that's walking out of the door. And he's going to invite me to come in and see the place. And so I walk around. Church is closed. Walk around. Pastor pops out of the door right as I'm going by. Sees that I'm looking at the door and says, Would you like to come in and see the place? I was like, Sure, like, I was like, It's awesome. <laughs> and so he tells me how he lived in Chicago. Um, Americans aren't like, a lot of Americans in Paris, very, very few Americans come into Riga, Latvia. Latvia. Um, I asked the Uber drivers, five of them, and I think three out of five had never had never had an American in their in their car. So, so it's it's the Bolt is the European version of Uber. But I'm saying So anyway, maybe he was just like, oh, he's an American here. And he wanted to, like, relate with his American experience. So we got in beautiful worship and got to go down and see kind of their small groups in action. And and he asked me, he was like, if you come back, I would love to just you know, host you and have you, you know, come and experience the service with us. And I was like, of course, if back out reach out. And left, and there, like, there was nothing special that happened in this moment. I don't believe that this was some divine, like, strategic connection to do some incredible kingdom work. Um, but the Holy Spirit was reminding me that He is near, And that he is guiding literally my every footstep. In Romans 8, guys, you're going to have to forgive me because I'm just literally winging it might be the term, but But I do believe that God wants to say something this morning. Mm. I've got to find the the part of the scripture that, that I'm looking for. Okay. We'll just read this chunk. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather... The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Now listen to this part. It says, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are, co- we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we might also share in His glory. So it says, the Spirit testifies to our spirit, that we are the children of God. The spirit testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. Um, I had this friend who was trying to process through, we're reading the book of John together, and he was trying to process through, he feels like God's speaking to him, but he was like, what is that that makes me believe that God is speaking to me? Is it my upbringing? Is it just me wanting to explain things? And I I said to him, Romans 8 says that his spirit testifies to your spirit that that you're his child. And I think there's two things that the Holy Spirit does in a life led by the Spirit. I I can't like make the comprehensive biblical case at this moment, but there is a comprehensive biblical case to be made. Um, Two things that the Holy Spirit does is that He wants to lead you into the truth of who God is, who the Father is, who the Son is. He wants to lead you into that truth. The second thing is He wants to lead you into the truth of who you are in Him. When I'm standing in that church looking at this cathedral, standing next to this pastor, processing in real time that I just heard this whisper, you're going to walk around and this guy's going to let you in. The spirit is testifying to my spirit that I'm his child. Now you could like, we talk about the enemy, we talk about the things that distract us from who we're called to be and what we're called to be. The, The enemy makes war over these two areas. That the Spirit is actually in work to affirm. He makes war over the Spirit leading us into believing and knowing that God is good and loving and that He's present. And then He makes war over what God says about who we are. Like those two things. He, he wants to distort our perception of God and He wants to distort our perception of ourselves. And the Holy Spirit through Scripture, through our community, through life, He's continually trying to affirm these two things. He's continually trying to affirm, and I'll focus on this point, that the Spirit is testifying with our spirit that we're His his child. So I want to stop and have us pray for a second. I, I think... We'll share for a few more minutes after that. But I, I want to I I have us pray that God will make us aware of the gift of His Spirit. So I want to have you close your eyes open your hands. Simple. And just pray. Real simple, real quiet. God, make me aware again Make me aware deeply, however you want to praise it, whatever is your own words. Make me aware the gift of your spirit in my life. God, I pray that you would make every person more aware of your gifts, of your Spirit. Not for us to be a tool so that we can be used in just the most effective way. That's part of it. But God, so that we can know your nearness and we can know your love. That we would be affirmed as the Spirit is constantly saying that we are your children. God do that in our identity this morning. Everybody said, yeah. "Man." So I'm walking around the city with the with my uh, founder friend, and I'm processing all this history. I literally went up into so when the Soviet Union was formed. Um, such a such an interesting history of man's struggle in Latvia. They've been occupied most of their time, like just as a country, they keep getting taken over by somebody else. And so the whole Ru- Russian thing doesn't make them feel too, you know, th- they're a little on edge right now. And when the uh, uh, when the Soviet took over, um, you know, it was a time where. American capitalism was kind of booming, and we were building all these big, these big tall buildings. And they didn't have the they didn't have the architectural um, uh, advancements yet to make these buildings. And so uh, Stalin wanted to make buildings that would like mimic the American like you know that would be like a rival building. And so he built these things that are called Stalin cakes because they look like cakes, and they kind of staircase up. And you could look, li- so, so I got to one of these buildings outside of the city, near the Soviet block, like poor neighborhood, and I'm looking at this thing, and you can see like the, still see the, uh, what is it, the sickle and the, the, the communist symbol um, on this building. And so we go up in there, and I'm like looking out over the city, I'm looking out at um, the place where they made the Zeppelins, you know those big balloons? Things I'm like looking at the manufacturing place where they made the Zeppelins, and just walking around the city, seeing all of its different all of its different uh, points of interest. And we walk into this Orthodox church, and this is this is so wild. But during um, during the communist rule, they weren't too big fan of God, so they turned this communist they turned this Russian Orthodox Church into a cosmological dome uh, exhibit, like where there was just like kind of like a a worship to science. And is is super fascinating, like seeing all this history. But we go in there, and how many of you have ever been in I am sure a lot of people have been in Catholic church. How many of you have been in Orthodox Church? The less less probable um it's not as much on the tours in London, so um, more more east. And so you go in, this, and, and if you've ever been to an Orthodox church, there's this, the imagery is very mysterious. The place like smells like incense. It has this certain thing to it. And so we go in, and the priest is doing his worship and, you know, and the service. I'm, I can't understand anything, I, you know, obviously. And so I'm just watching, observing, and I'm feeling God's presence. And as we uh, as we leave, my the founder that we invest in is with me, and he's not a person of faith, and we're both just watching this. And we walk out and he goes to me, he goes, Why is it like your pastor? He's like, why is it that he's like, I always when I go into these other churches, the Lutheran churches and the different like, I don't, like, ever feel anything. But he said, every time I come into one of these places, these Orthodox places, we, I always feel this, like, weird feeling inside. Feel this, like, like I don't know how to explain it. And so, I, I like, we had a little conversation about, like, their theology, they have a little bit more of an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, um, if you, like, as compared to Protestant. And so, I said, you know what? I believe that you're sensing, is you're sensing the Holy Spirit. And so, we had this conversation, and as as I'm as I'm dialoging with him, I'm processing, I'm taking in, and I'm looking at all these different, these different historical elements of the city. I'm realizing that like, all of these things were built out of man's frustrations with something, like whether it was. The next regime was mad at the last regime. And you see these guys took over these guys and these guys took over these guys. And everything is built out of some sort of frustration with man. But beneath all that, the spirit is, is trying to draw men to himself. And I want to read to you from, continue reading from Romans 8. I'll tie it. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And Listen to this. It says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Just I'm going to keep reading, but I just want to re-summarize that. What that says is that creation's frustrated. All, like I think this extends beyond man, but certainly encompasses man. Creation is frustrated, and the reason it's frustrated is because God allowed it to be frustrated. With, with the hope that in the midst of all the frustration and anger and disappointment and whatever it is, that beneath that, that 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 there would be an awareness of a hope that the Spirit is speaking about. So that's what's going on here in the scripture. And it says we know that the whole creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. I love like groaning and like the pains of childbirth. That's not the type of groaning or pain that doesn't produce something beautiful, that's like, that's like life is coming and we feel the pain. Are you with me? And it says, not only so, but we ourselves, who have been given the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly, wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Okay. So, throughout the Scripture, those people who were living within the Spirit's movement of the moment and living within God's promise of the moment were people who had to live with some sort of deposit that was evidencing something that was coming. Like when God, took, when God took Israel out of Egypt. He fed them by manna. He fed them by manna. He brought his provision. But his ultimate provision was what? The promised land. And so he, he always, like the people of God, always live with a deposit of what's coming in expectation and hope of what will be revealed. Now, what the this, what this scripture says here is that it's within that hope that you were saved. What happens when we lose sight of what God wants to do in our world is that we actually lose sight of his presence in the moment. Like God wants us to have an eager expectation of how he wants to redeem all things. And that it's in that hope that we are able to be grounded in his salvation in the present. Like what this says is that creation is groaning for the revealing of who? Who? the sons of god how do we this applies to women too how do we how do we become sons of god by letting the spirit testify to our spirit that we are his children and as we become as we our imaginations are filled with the hope of what god might do what he wants to do what he will do in our world it grounds us in our present salvation And so the, the, the next thing that the Spirit does is He's not only testifying to who you are, but He is wanting in you to have a hope for where He is taking creation so that you can testify to others that there is a Spirit that will answer, that will bring peace, that will cover them, that will love. Like when I walked out of that, that church, like I didn't have to speak to something that wasn't happening in Him. I just had to name it and, and and say something. And say, like, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. What, what happens when we lose hope or sight of what the Spirit is wanting to do in the earth, like that He's wanting to make all things new, that he's wanting for his children to be revealed so that people can be set free, can know what happens when we lose sight of, of where he's taking us is we lose sight of what, even what he's speaking in the moment. How many of you have ever lost sight of like just God's promise before you? I'm not talking about like his promise to make you awesome or cool or, or make your thing successful. How many of you have lost sight of the promise how many of you have lost sight of the promise that he's restoring all things at times? That he's wanting to make you new. That he's wanting to make things good. How many of you like, like, I occasionally become numb to that. And what happens when I become numb to that is I start forgetting who I am in him. And I stop transferring who he is through me to others. And so this, this scripture says, those who are led by the spirit are what? Children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. And the Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are what? Second time around. Children of God. And creation is waiting for the revealing of who? That's right. Sons of God, children of God, same thing. In this it is the same thing. So the creation is waiting for us to be able to fully partner with the fruit of the Spirit that has been deposited in us. And if we will become aware of it, we will be a part of enacting God's hopeful future for creation around us. And if we lose sight of it, creation continues to groan. Like, are we going to have like a 16-month pregnancy? Or are we going to have, you know, I don't know. I mean, God's in charge. So that's not the point. But, But my point is, like, creation is waiting People around you, the world around you is waiting for you, for you to go, oh my gosh, this, you are a gift in my life. You are leading me. And as soon as you just become aware of that, all the magic of the kingdom starts happening around your life. This is what Jesus said. The work, <laughs> the, the work is to, I mean, exactly how I said it. The work of the kingdom is to believe in me. So so my prayer this morning is that you will become aware of the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. And that through that, creation will be revealed and drawn into God's hope for its future.